So what if you trip and fall? So what if you lose your place in the speech? So what if somebody asks a question and it derails you five minutes because you're answering somebody's question? It doesn't matter. None of that matters. And once you're able to say to yourself that it's not going to be detrimental to the to the end product, if I challenge myself to do more, to be better, I think that's where the real growth happens. I'm going to bring my best today, but knowing that I can always do better. And, and I think for a long time, I saw that as kind of a bad thing, like, oh, I'm never going to be able to like achieve this perfection. And now I see it as this time is going to be great and next time is going to be better. And the time after that is going to be even better. When you have all the answers, you're pretty much capped at where you can go. When you don't have the answers, it's a much more free flowing and breathable scenario. And I think that's where the creativity comes from. I think that's where the the excitement for the work and the possibilities sort of come from, because you're not necessarily saying, okay, your next step is this. It's well, geez, this is what we think. This is where we know we want to go. Let's talk a little bit about how we want to get there. It doesn't feel so, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, like, you know, he was, he was like really was in, the, in the dirt. He was a rough rider. I am not a rough rider at all. Speak softly and carry a big laptop. Hi, I'm Michelle, an entrepreneur and creative business coach. Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a social media and digital content strategist. We're friends with a shared passion for creativity in all its forms. Through this podcast, you'll find ideas to help up your game and share experiences with a community of creatives who understand what it's like to work and create in the digital world. If the episode you're about to hear sparks something inside you, share your voice by connecting with us on social media at pod for creatives on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We were catching up you and I the other day and we happen to be talking about, you know, things that we've been doing lately. Obviously you were traveling and, and there's a few other things that you've been kind of involved in that I feel like we'll get to in a couple of minutes that have been really cool uh, opportunities professionally and personally. But you had mentioned that you're uh, reading this or is it an audio? You're doing an I'm audiobook, listening, right? Yeah. You're listening to Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. And I was stunned because... I'm actually reading. First of all, I'm reading a book. I was going to say, all, I'm reading this. I should yeah. be the one that's stunned that you are reading a book. Never mind the yeah. same book. Yeah, fine. Yeah, point point <laughs> you. Um, but but we're reading the same book together. Well, I, not I, we not just found out that time, we are. That would be awkward, right? <laughs> yes, but like, but we're reading the same book at the same time separately. You reading your book in your room and I'm reading my book in my room and but we're reading the same book. <laughs> yeah, that's it is kind of it's it's wild. There are a lot of books out there. And I have long since given up on trying to recommend anything to you, especially books. So not big on the recommendations. No, you hate them. So I right. love this. You're kind of like accidentally reading this book that I am reading. And of course I'm gonna to want to talk to you about it. I mean, I probably would have brought this up anyway. So what do you think so far? Uh, I I like it. Um, it's um, it's a cha- it challenges you. It, I think it makes you take a hard look at yourself in a role of leadership and and how you can get more, not just necessarily out of the people who are around you, but looking internally to your strengths and 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 how you can leverage those um, more effectively. Um, 
I find that I'm looking at myself more. You know, you think you're reading this, you know, this dare to lead, like how am I going to impact other people? And really it's a, it's a self lesson for, for me. Yeah. I, um, I'm having a really hard time getting through it. Really? Yeah. Uh, I probably like boring or, or no, no, not at all. First of all, this is the first of her books that I have read. Um, but I feel like I know her, like I'm familiar with her. I've been like following her, um, on social media. Like I've seen interviews with her and podcasts and she has a great Netflix special that came out earlier this year. So I was really excited to like finally read one of her actual books or in my case, listen, but her message, like you said, it's challenging you. Like it is challenging me to the point where it's making me uncomfortable. And I think that that's why I'm not speeding through it. Cause typically when I listen to an audiobook, I'm done with it within a few days. Um, and now I'm, I'm going on a few months that I've been <laughs> trying to get through this. Um, but how do you respond to that, that? How do you respond to that feeling on, of, of, of being uncomfortable? I think that she probably wants you to feel uncomfortable. That's probably her point. But I just think that like my nature is someone who like, I want everything to be pretty and nice. And um, I don't know how much you know, but like the Enneagram, the Enneagram is kind of like a big thing right now, at least in my like creative social media circles. Um, I'm an Enneagram nine, which it is someone who likes everything to just like be peaceful. I don't like anything rattled. So everything that she's talking about in this book, like goes against that. And she's trying to cater to people who are supposed to be leaders. And I'm saying that I want to be a leader. I'm saying that I, I want to speak and be a good example to my audience. But at the same time saying like, yeah, but I don't want to like get messy doing any of that. Right. I know that you're not like me in that way, but so how have you been challenged knowing that like you have a different personality? I think this is about uh, empowering others around you. That's how I'm taking it. And I think I've always looked to to try to do that. Uh, I was just talking to a colleague of mine today saying that I, I give trust relatively easily. You know, it's not one of those things that I feel like you have to earn I, I th with me, you know, as, as kind of a, a, as a manager, as a leader, I think it's something that I give and then, you know, you see how we do with things and if we have to adjust that, we'll adjust it. But it's something that I give very easily, but em empowering others, it's, it's when people are coming to you with ideas, it's encouraging them to go. It's, it's saying to them like, yeah, okay, let's, let's go, go do it. You know, like in, instead of, you know, beating this up and thinking about it seven different ways, like, you know, it, that's where the challenge to me has sort of come where I say I'm looking internally because it flies in the face of a lot of things that I'm comfortable with. You know, we, we joke about this all the time, but just doing the first thing that pops <laughs> into your mind because it's something that seems cool and fun. And like, I'm usually one to like want to do my homework and be calculated. And, and it's not to say that you're flying by the seat of your pants in a leadership role, but I think I'm very much more willing to realize that you're not going to mess something up so greatly that um, you can't walk it back or you can't, you know, figure it out once you get a little bit further down the road. So trust has been a big, a, a big lesson, but, but empowering others to lead in my role of, of leadership has been a big theme so far. And I imagine because you have such a good relationship with the people that you work with and that trust factor is there she kind of gets into this about how where the vulnerability piece comes in is they have to see you as someone who 
is not going to get mad if they make a mistake. So just the fact that like you were giving them that trust is in a way a, I guess, a a sign of vulnerability because it's like what they do is going to be a reflection of you. So you're kind of saying to them like, go ahead, I trust you. And if you mess up, like we'll figure it out together. And like, it's okay to make those mistakes. Totally. I think vulnerability in, in, in leadership roles is so important and it flies in the face of everything that you're sort of taught from the outside. When you think of being in, in like a leadership position, like you, you know, you're always told like you always have to have the answer and, and you you have to be the authority and you have to. And I think where you start to build credibility is in showing some cracks um, is in make being honest with people that, you know, you don't necessarily have all the answers and being okay with that. Because when you have all the answers, you're pretty much capped at where you can go. When you don't have the answers, it's a much more free flowing and breathable scenario. And I think that's where the creativity comes from. I think that's where the the excitement for the work and the possibilities sort of come from because you're not necessarily saying, okay, your next step is this. It's, well, geez, this is what we think. This is where we know we want to go. Let's talk a little bit about how we want to get there. I feel like there is a line though. You can be vulnerable. Like you said, you can show your cracks and show people that like you're a human being. But as a leader, you still have to maintain some level of being not a perfect person, but someone who is more polished and who is more confident. Like if you're someone who is like breaking down and crying or you're someone who like shows up to work, like looking like a mess, like I I consider those to be, when I think of like being vulnerable, like those are the types of things that I picture. And when I think about like people that I look up to, that's not what I envision. Am I making sense? Right. I'm trying to poke holes in, in what she's, you know, trying to teach us. No, absolutely. And I think that's part that's 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 part of the lesson out of this. You know, I feel like we're growing together if even though you're in this position of leadership or I'm in this position of leadership, like our relationship continues to to grow when we're figuring things out together, when we're helping each other. You know, I think your accomplishments get you to a certain point, you know, but then you have to turn over to the people who you're, you know, who are working under you and, and help grow them and help empower them and help them make, but, but it doesn't necessarily always mean your way or the highway. I think being, being vulnerable means you're being honest. Um, you have all your cards on the table. And I think when the people you're working with see that, and they see that, you know, you're not pulling any punches and everything, you know, they know um, it takes the mystery out of the relationship or it takes the the barrier out of the relationship. But it removes it completely. And to me, good leadership is is removing any obstacles and any barriers to prevent a relationship from from blossoming, from growing. So you don't think that you should ever keep secrets from your people like who, who work for you, or I guess in my case, like people who I would coach. And I don't mean that in a like sinister way, but I do think that there are, um, times that come up where 
maybe you shouldn't put all of your cards out on the table for their own good. It's not that they might not learn that information eventually, but um, I'm trying to think of a situation that like you might be in where maybe there's something going on um, internally. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this to the office. We haven't brought the brought the office up in a, in a while, and this is really my point of reference since I didn't work in an off in an office for very long. But in the few episodes where they're having um, changes in the organization, and Michael is always like the first one to find out about it, and he's told like don't tell anyone. But then he inevitably ends up telling everyone and causes all this, you know, havoc and confusion within the office. I feel like that is a situation where you should keep that secret until an appropriate time. I don't disagree with that, but I think in your analogy, just for the office, it's it's Michael being able to stay out of his own way. You know, if you're being if you're being confronted with information that can help complete a bigger picture of somebody for somebody so they they know what what they're they're getting involved in or they have the information that they basically need to be able to be successful. I'm going to be open. I mean, it's not you're not ratting anyone out. I think you're giving people what they need to know to be successful. Certainly there's confidential stuff and that's, that's, that's completely different, but confidentiality stuff aside, if it's important to the work or important to the process or telling them something or making them aware of something is going to help them be able to look out for a warning sign or, or something like that. I think they have a right to know. And that's where I say this open and honesty, that's not necessarily being vulnerable that's helping people do their jobs. And I think that also aids in the trust factor too, that you're looking out for them and they feel that. Can we talk about the awesome quote that she references? I believe she references this in this book. In doing some research, it led me to believe that she might reference this in several of her books. And she, I also remember her bringing this up in her, in her Netflix special. Do you know the one that I'm talking about and who it's by? I don't. Which gets me really excited. (laughs) It's it's by um, Teddy Roosevelt, my favorite prez. Of course, of course. And it's kind of um, what um, led her to, I guess, naming her books. So I'm not going to read the whole quote because it's super long. But I think um, the point that she's trying to make by sharing it is that it doesn't matter who's criticizing you. What really matters is that you're continuing to show up every day, even if it means that you are getting dirty, even if it means that you are screwing up. And the quote ends with, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. And she kind of sees that as the triumph in life. And I have seen that. I don't feel like I can say that for myself, but I do feel like I've seen that in other people's stories that they've gotten to where they are as a result of going through some really bad stuff. And it's not so much in the sense of like they earn their badge of honor as a result of um, having bad things happen to them, but they put themselves in vulnerable situations and went for things that felt like they were out of their comfort zone. And even though there were some bad moments along the way, ultimately they ended up in a higher place. Do you feel like your life sort of like has mimicked that? Because you really have had like a parallel in your work history and what you've done to that synopsis right there. Do you feel like when you look back over the last, you know, decade plus that you've kind of lived that 
that that that sentiment? I don't feel like I've lived that enough, nearly enough. Really? Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, because I see it as like a friend of yours from the outside that like, you know, you were in a situation that that wasn't great, but that's what you felt like you had to do because that's what you know everyone's taught to do and it might not have been what you wanted and then you took a leap and it wasn't great and but you've kind of kept working towards a better outcome but you don't you don't feel that way yeah not to say that I haven't had uh, failures and wins but I would say as a general rule like I still play things very safe I, I know compared to you you might be looking at me and thinking that I've taken all of these risks but I really feel like there's there's so much more that that I could do and and when I look at my day to day it's really usually just you know me and my laptop and that doesn't feel so Teddy Roosevelt like you know he was he was like really was in the rider. in the dirt he was a rough rider I am not a rough rider at all yeah. Yeah. speak softly and carry a big laptop uh, yeah I've got the speak softly said, part right? but yeah I right. don't right. carry the big stick at all right yeah well I, I don't know. I, I, I think that you don't give yourself enough credit in that regard, but I get it. Like it's sometimes it's tough to, as David Wallace once said, sometimes it's tough to evaluate yourself. <laughs> um, but I think that that's partly like, you know, uh, taking risks and coming back for more. Like I remember the first few times that I would, I would go out and, um, the first time I ever presented in front of an audience, like I was terrified. And, and, you know, this is from someone who like communicates from a living and talks for a living and whatever it is. And, and I got in front of people and I was just like, not speechless, like I did the job, but it felt very robotic. I was reading off of notes and I wasn't really like in, interacting and engaging. And, um, that kind of became like my, my shtick for the first few times that I would do that, you know, it was just very comfortable for me. So I was going to stick to that. And that was how I was defining success. And I have a, a, a colleague of mine who lives up in Toronto who saw me present and, um, said to me like you, I mean, she was very kind about the presentation, but she's like, you know, you have the content down. This is really about like, now the engagement and the energizing and getting and the connection with people and it it challenged me to and it, and it wasn't like a criticism but it challenged me to think about okay I got to come back and even though it wasn't perfect like I know I have this piece down I'm going to keep doubling down on this thing now so now I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to chance it. I'm going to start walking around the room. I'm going to start interacting with people. I'm going to start wearing a, a mic on my shirt instead of standing next to a podium. I'm going to, you know, challenge myself to do things differently to improve myself as a whole, as a, as a presenter, because it was important to me. And I feel like I've gotten better at that. And, um, like I was doing something in when I was out in, in uh, Syracuse back in March, I, I started walking through the aisles and my friend Sam, who was in the audience, was just like, it felt like an Oprah show. Like you just <laughs> kind of started walking down, the cell, you know, giving away, giving away things. And um, but yeah, like I feel like you're right. Like that definition of I mean, it's a smaller example than talking about like a career change and moving to a completely different city and all these things. But I felt fine, you know, like I thought, hey, I'm all right, I can do this. But like you had to look at yourself and say like, boy, there really is room to grow here. And that's the self-awareness piece. It's how do you look in the eyes of other people and are you keenly aware of, of that feeling? I love how you said that, you know, you had done presentations before. You kind of like you had it down. And I feel like I would equate that to playing it safe. Like you could have continued to proceed in that way, you get your message across, you delivered your presentation, like, you know, check. But 
you were then challenged to bring a little bit more to it, to connect with your audience, to make it more impactful for them. And in doing so, it meant that you had to become more vulnerable that like, you know, you may have to go out there and try something new. Like, you know, what if you stepped toward the audience and, you know, you tripped or what if someone, what if you going into the audience gave people kind of like the self-permission to like ask more questions and what if they ask something that like you don't know the answer you know to? What? Those are all, it doesn't matter. Yeah. None of that matters. And that's the hurdle. Like we, we convince ourselves so much that we're going to take a step. And if this happens, something bad's going to, could happen mm -hmm. and we don't want that to happen. So let's figure out the step to take where nothing bad happens. And very rarely does that ever happen. Mm -hmm. So it was almost about getting over the, so what if you trip and fall? So what if you lose your place in the speech? So what if somebody asks a question and it derails you five minutes because you're answering somebody's question? It doesn't matter. None of that matters. And once you're able to say to yourself that it's not going to be detrimental to the to the end product, if I challenge myself to do more, to be better, I think that's where the real growth happens. I even just love the thought of going into everything with the attitude of like, I'm going to bring my best today, but knowing that I can always do better. And, and I think for a long time, I saw that as kind of a bad thing, like, Oh, I'm never going to be able to like achieve this perfection. And now I see it as this time is going to be great. And next time is going to be better. And the time after that is going to be even better. And that's how I went into my talk that I just gave last weekend. I was like, you know that's what? Right. Yeah. I know this material. I wasn't nervous. I felt confident, but I knew I'm like, well, this is really my first time doing something on this scale. And I know I'm going to want to improve in certain ways, but like, I've got to make this first step first in order to get to that next one. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. Perfection should never be the goal. You know, it should never be, you know, uh, what you're shooting for growth. There's always room for growth. And I think that's sort of the, the internalization of how am I doing? Am I, am I, am I, am I growing? Am I getting better at this? Am I setting a, a developmental goal for myself, whether it's in, you know, presenting or whether it's in, you know, a job opportunity or, or, you know, a professional development thing, you want to, you want to grow your skill set a little bit more. So I'm going to read to grow more in this direction. I, I think that is always the, it should be the goal. It should be, constant growth and introspection. That's something that I've also gotten out of this book is it's not just necessarily, you know, how you look at yourself as a leader. It's how, and I said this before, but it bears repeating how other people see you as in your role. Like, do they look at you and see someone who, well, they have it all figured out. It's always their way or the highway and, and, and they're not really, you know, willing to talk or do they see you as someone who, you know, displays these leadership skills, but you're growing with them. You want the best for them and they get that sense. They get that feeling. They get that trust. I think thinking more along, I mean, we always talk about like, you know, who cares what people think about you? I do. I, I, I really do. Um, and I don't know if that's, you know, gener genuinely or generally frowned upon, but I think when you're in a position of leadership, you should care how other people view you. That should be a big part of whether or not you are deemed successful or a failure. That's another one of those like black and white sayings that I disagree with. Like you said, anyone who looks up to you, like you should care what they think about you. 
your relationship with someone is never done. You know, it's never something where, you know, you become friends with somebody and you're friends forever and you don't have to worry about growing that relationship or improving it. You know, I always laugh at that where it's like, you know, you feel like you have somebody in your back pocket. It takes one bad look. It takes one off the cuff remark to to meddle with that dynamic. So no matter how good your working relationship is with someone, whether it's a client that you're working with, whether it's a friend of yours, there's always room for growth and connection. That's part of what I think I've also taken from Brene out of this out of this book thus far. I love how much you're loving this book. Yeah, I mean, love is a strong word. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not going to sit there and just start. You know, this isn't a Bible, but there's a lot in this book that I think people can learn from, and it's not just for leaders. Like I think that's the mistake. People mm-hmm. think of you know, dare to lead. Oh, it must be for leaders. Oh, I'm not a leader. No, you can actually turn yourself. I mean, you should think of yourself as a leader in your role, no matter what you do. Display that confidence. It's hugely important to the success and, and the stability of, pe- of the people around you and the practices you've set up around you. Yeah, my sister just read it. She's a artist and stay-at-home mom. And she's not leading any organizations, but I know that she took a lot from the book. And she actually finished yeah. it. <laughs> I see great connection even being a, a, a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see huge connections to, to my life now as a dad and how you can, I mean, it's not like you're, I'm, I mean, I am always concerned about how my son looks at me, but he's 10 months old. So I mean, how, <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm pretty much the coolest thing ever whenever <laughs> I walk into the room. So it's a good feeling for the, for a while, but I, I see connection there. So even if, you know, it, you feel like there's no connection to, to leadership, read this book. It, it will help you at, at, in some point in time in your career. This wasn't in the book, but this was something in her Netflix special that has like really stuck with me. And I feel like this is something that's helpful just in relationships in general. And she told this story about how she and her husband were out for a swim. They're both swimmers. And she was just kind of like having like a like a happy moment. And she tried to like say something to him like in like a loving way. And he kind of like dismissed her. And then she's like, all right, I'm going to like try to say it again. And he kind of like dismissed her again. And she was like, and then her mind went to like all these dark places, like, oh my God, like he wants a divorce, like, you know, just kind of like <laughs> letting things spiral, which I think, you know, we can all do in certain situations and in certain moods. Sure. And, you know, found out later that he was uh, stressing about something that that has to do with their kids, about their kids' um, safety. And that story, as simple as it was, just reminded me of how irrational that we can be as human beings sometimes about how we tell ourselves these stories. And we forget that like, it's not about us and like what's going on in our minds. Like everyone has got like their own stuff going on and we shouldn't just always assume the worst or, you know, what I think all of us are guilty of doing is thinking that it's about, you know, the reason that they're responding in the way that they are has something to do with us. I always assume it's somebody else's (laughs) fault. I don't know if that makes you more selfish or less. <laughs> Just the right amount. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So, but let's 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 circle back briefly to your. Uh, I mean, you kind of glossed over this. I mean, you know, you just had like this huge like Florida blog conference and mm-hmm. and, and or excuse me, no, 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 I take that back. It wasn't a blog. It was the was that was that yeah, I get Florida that right? blog con is what what the event was called. Yep. Okay. Okay. Cool. Glad I got that right. Um, 
and and you you presented in front of a, a a lively lively group. I saw the the recap on on uh, Instagram on your story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, fun. I had a lot of fun. It was best part. What was the best part of it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think definitely the people who came up to me afterwards just to tell me how much um, it impacted them. That was. I mean, there's nothing more rewarding than that. I mean, that's why I was there. I was there to, you know, share this message and for people to leave it inspired to go out and and take some action. So the fact that I got like verbal confirmation that that was going to happen felt like a huge win. But that's awesome. Personally, it was also a really special moment for me because I feel like I must have talked about this on the podcast, but I feel like I talked about it other places. I really made it my big goal for this year, for 2019, to speak at an event. And I did some smaller things um, on throughout the year. We're on a few um, podcasts, which I also think I probably talked about on this podcast. But that was really like that shining moment where I was like, okay, like this is happening and I'm doing this and I've accomplished this goal. And you know, I know I feel like I set like a million goals, but that one felt like very concrete. Like I set this goal, I set the time parameter, I did things to work up to getting there and accomplished it. So that felt awesome. That's great. That's so awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Did anyone ask about me at this conference? Um, no one asked me specifically about you, but you were part of the presentation. Of course, I could not do a presentation okay. without bringing you up. So cool. I was the friend. You were the I friend. Have this friend that I do a podcast with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you definitely got plugged at the end um, with the podcast. But to kind of like bring it back to what I was talking about about like celebrating this big moment throughout the presentation, I kind of created these joke slide uh, text messages. Um, to kind of bring about a point that I was making, which I feel like would take too long for me to explain here. Um, but so you had you had you had like on the slide you had like text message, not real <laughs> ones, but like like I but you had I like, designed like like a fake group chat. Okay. And okay. So like t- I had established earlier in the in the presentation that like text messages were going to be a part of this thing, and. At the end of the presentation, I kind of finished it or the conclusion of the presentation was kind of showing my journey and how I even got to be there to speak. And um, I showed like screenshots of the actual text messages side by side, one that I that was between you and I and one that was between me and Lauren and Caitlin, my mastermind group. And just saying like, hey, guys, I just got this great news and like it's you guys congratulating me and you know, I joke that it took me like a really long time, especially for yours, to like find that text message and to get the screenshot. But like a when, lot of Seinfeld, oh lot my, of Seinfeld like, gifts, a lot it of took, office gifts. I almost gave up on yours. It took a really long time. But a lot of coffee cups. Yes. <laughs> so but I said like it it was really it was worth that time because when I read them, I was like, this is a really big moment. And I think I don't know if this relates to vulnerability at all, but like we really don't celebrate as much as we should. And those text messages reminded me that how big of a deal this was and that I shouldn't brush it off and that I should be celebrating it. So thank you for your congratulations. You're welcome. (laughs) We have we've talked about vulnerability in regards to 
how we lead, but I feel like there are other aspects of it. One of them is certainly what we talked about in episode one of Podcast for Creatives, and that is just being open to criticism, um, which we obviously did in, in our speaking engagements. Um, I feel like that's kind of like the most vulnerable you can be in a professional setting. But how about also sharing stories and vulnerability on social as a way of connecting with people? Right after I got back from London, this was like in the airport, we landed in Orlando, Jimmy was going off to get a coffee to like make it through our drive back here to Jacksonville. And I open up my phone and I'm on Instagram and I see this post from this woman who I follow who has a great business. Her name is Lindsay Letters is her Instagram handle. And um, she had just posted that her daughter had gotten into an accident like she had a short like fall and was in um, intensive care and she was just like asking for prayers for her and throughout the whole next week so this was about two weeks ago I was following this journey of like watching this little girl and having and Lindsay and her husband were both sharing posts like continually and I am just now like floored at the impact that it has had because I mean I wouldn't be surprised to hear that like you even knew what I was talking about right now because I feel like first of all if you go and like look at any of these posts they they just have like thousands and thousands of like of likes and comments but it feels like almost a, a community has been formed around you know supporting this family and supporting this little girl who has thankfully since been moved from intensive care like she's still I think I don't, I'm going to mess up like the technical terms. I think she's still like brain dead pretty much. And they're not sure she's going to make a full recovery. But just seeing, first of all, the amount of people who are supporting them, the amount of people that are praying for them and creating um, fundraisers and and artwork. And um, they have this thing about how like the little, this little girl is, um, she's, is an artist herself and she's like very colorful and um they've said that like when you look and you see like a a colorful sunset like it it had always made them think of her to begin with so now all these people are posting these like Ava sky photos and I feel like it's just turned into this like whole phenomenon and I'm going on and on but all of this to say I know that there are other parents and families who are out there right now who are going through really difficult stuff like this but this family chose to share their story online and I think that it has made a tremendous difference, not just in knowing that they're supported, but I, I truly think in like continuing to have hope that this little girl will make a full recovery. That's beautiful. Um, social is human, right? You know, we say that a lot on this podcast. Um, you know, and I think that's a lesson that people had a hard time kind of coming to grips with because, you know, there used to be these, you know, well, you're different on social than you are in real life. And I've never believed that. I think from day one, I, I pretty much understood social media to be, no, you are how you are. Um, and I, I, I find myself very protective of certain things. You know, I share, but I don't necessarily always share with, you know, intimate details about things. Um, and, but I'm also like that in real life. Um, I'm protective of that kind of stuff. So these people, I don't know them, this family, but they strike me as a very open and welcoming group. Um, 
And I think they probably realized that, you know, this was a devastating situation and they needed the strength of others around them and how best to reach out to get that strength um, than telling your story and using a platform as powerful as Instagram or, you know, whatever social channel you're on um, to do that. Uh, I, I think that's just more and more um, normal. Um, you know, it doesn't seem odd anymore. Mm -hmm. I have friends of mine who I went to college with who are looking to um, adopt a baby domestically. Um, and it's, you know, a very expensive proposition to do that. Um, and they've started a cause um, on, on Facebook looking for donations towards this this goal. They need, you know, a significant amount of money. And they've told their story, you know, um, and been very open about the truths and people are pouring in left and right, donating whatever they can um, because they want the best for these people. Um, you don't get that unless you, I mean, obviously have strong relationships with people, but it, you don't get that if you're not showing your whole self. And I think that's one of my favorite things about social media is, is that it allows you to be you. It allows you to connect to one another. Um, and it certainly sounds like this is what that family has done and used that platform for over the years. And they're doing it the same thing. It's just, it's a sad situation that this is the, this is the reason why they're, they're having to do this, but it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I, I have found that the posts that I relate to the most, as strange as this may sound, are the ones that are just, you know, they don't get big prognosis is every day. There aren't big milestones that happen every day. Like so many of their days over the last two weeks have just been waiting. And they've written about that. They've said like, it is, you know, it's an agonizing feeling to just to sit here and to not know what's coming next, or if anything is coming next. And I think, you know, whether you have a kid in intensive care, or, you know, you're waiting for the results of something, or, you know, you're just waiting for even for something good to happen in your life, like, we don't realize that as human beings, this is something that, that all of us deal with. So much of, of life is just about waiting and not knowing what's going to happen. So I just, I'm kind of just blown away with, with the vulnerability that she's shown and, and the honesty and um, just like how open that they've been about like this entire process. Yeah. I think you, you know, life is about little wins and, you know, you don't have too many huge wins in your in your life when you probably mm. look back at things whether it's professionally or personally but you have a lot of little things that that go well um you know we got through our first week a couple of weeks ago of daycare um with our son and um it was a big thing like we sat down at dinner that night and the three of us i mean you know as much as he could but you know rachel and i looked at each other and we just went all right like we did it you know like that's a big thing and um but it's a little win in the grand scheme of things you got to remember those. And I yeah. think celebrating celebrating those and showing how much little things mean to you or making a big deal out of little things, I think that's what gets people on your side. If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at pod for creatives and let us know which stood out to you. Um, just a heads up. I've had this really annoying cough for the last few days. You have a, you have a cough button? We should you have, have a, a cough, button? like a mute. I believe there's there a is mute a mute. This. Let me see something. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I will I'll make use so of that button. Let's practice it for a second. <laughs> Hit it and cough for a second. I just want to see how this works. All right.
Did you not hear yeah, that? Yeah, it works perfect. Okay, great. All right, awesome. That's great. So if you have a fit, just just hit that. You only wish that you had a mute button that you could mute me on commands. <laughs> <laughs>